You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here on a Wednesday morning. We are recording this on a Wednesday morning, so you are getting full up-to-date information here to preview an Ohio State game on Saturday. We will talk about the good. We will talk about the bad. We will preview this matchup as best as we can, try to find some ways that we could win. Uh, while also being realistic here and, and giving you the other side of it as well. The picks will come on Friday, so if, if you've been listening all year, you know kind of the system here, how we set this thing up. So we'll give you all the um, information, the matchups, the, the preview here today. The picks will come on Friday. And, of course, if you're not already, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're following. Make sure you're sharing the podcast. We really appreciate that. Uh, this thing has continued to grow and grow and grow and grow throughout the season. So we really appreciate your guys' support. Can't do this without you guys. So really appreciate that. Uh, with all that out of the way, Scott, it's, it's Wednesday morning here. Um, how, how are the vibes right now as, as we head into Columbus in, what, three days, four days? I don't know. My, my week math is bad. but Well, I am uh, a little bit thankful today because – this evening today's Wednesday um, and this should drop on Wednesday so today is actually accurate on this episode Um, this evening I am flying back to Michigan to do some hunting this weekend so thankfully win lose or draw on Saturday I will have a worthy distraction Uh, I'll be heading out to the tree stand after the game and uh, I'm thankful for that for better or for worse I'm I'm not going to have to sit and stew after this game Um, but I'm excited too. This is a great opportunity for Mel Tucker. Uh, it's certainly an uphill battle. We'll obviously get into that. Uh, the more you kind of look into this thing and you watch the, the team that we're facing, you know, it can get a little bit doom and gloom, um, but we're trying to pick out the, the, the good parts here. And, and it's, if nothing else, it's a great opportunity to surprise a lot of people, probably ourselves included um, and, uh, and really put a staple on Mel Tucker's early tenure here. So it's exciting. You know, it, it is, it's, um, but it's intimidating. I, I don't think anyone would disagree with that. Ohio state has pretty much inarguably the best offense in the country. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it's going to be an interesting Saturday. Yeah. And, and Mel Tucker in the press conferences uh, this week, he's, he's brought up multiple times and Xavier Henderson brought it up as well. Like, you know, we're playing meaningful football games in November 
And that's, that's the goal is to play championship level football in November. And here we are, we're playing a championship level game, a meaningful game uh, to potentially decide a big 10 championship berth. Right. And that's really cool. Uh, regardless of how you feel about this game, uh, matchup wise, prediction wise, preview wise, it's a cool place to be uh, 10 games into the season. So uh, here we are. Uh, we will get to all of that, but before we do, DraftKings has a special word for us. If you are looking to place some wagers here this weekend, DraftKings is the place to be. New customers who bet just $1 on either team to score can win $100 in free bets. When a team scores, you score. If DraftKings isn't available in your sport in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Draft, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we are a proud member. Bet $1 on either team to score, and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. Only new customers, only minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So how we're going to set this up here. We're going to do a little uh, optimism-pessimism sandwich. So I put out the call on Twitter earlier this week. And basically said our, our Ohio State preview is going to be centered around one simple question. We want your answers. How does Michigan State win on Saturday? Very simple. And we got a ton of responses for which we really appreciate. We'll go through a couple of these um, that I thought were good. And we'll, we'll start with some optimistic takes. Scott, I'll, I'll read them to you. And I want you to rate it from 0 to 10. 10 being this is an extremely important, crucial matchup here that I think can decide this game and zero being like, I, I just don't think that's going to matter. Uh, so that's how we're going to set this up. Then we will get into the, you know, rip the bandaid off Ohio state death March. Here's how good they are. And then we'll get into our own takes of how we could possibly win this game. So let's get rolling with a take by bound to win on Twitter. He says, we have to get pressure on Stroud. That's it. If he has time, he'll shred our D and our O won't be able to keep up. Uh, he also mentions we got a tackle trying to strip hasn't worked flea flickers all day and direct snaps to Connor Hayward on short yardage and remind the refs where the commission's son plays. Maybe that could play a role, even though we're on the road. Well, that was, uh, that one packed a punch. Um, lots of so different takes involved in there. I think the first one is get pressure, right. Yep. And limit yep. the amount of time they have. So that is certainly like a seven. Uh, we definitely need to do it. It's not a 10 because we can't do it every play. Um, CJ Stroud's well-versed in being blitzed. And that means we're playing man-to-man defense behind, uh, which is a terrifying thought, which we'll get into later, but nonetheless, we're going to have to apply some pressure in this game. We're going to have to make them uncomfortable. Ideally we'd get them on the ground a few times, um, so yeah, certainly pressures involved, uh, on the offensive side. I think there were a few, can re- you rejog my memory here? Yeah. Flea flickers and direct snaps to Connor Hayward. Those were the specific, uh, tips. All right. Well, we're on opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> Flea flickers in 11 out of 10. It's a staple in our offense. We're going to use it. Um, they've 
I think both Jay Johnson and Mel Tucker have said, basically it's an extension of our play action game. It's just another play action play for them. It's not some gadget trick play. Uh, we're certainly going to use that. And um, I don't want to see a direct snap to Connor Hayward ever <laughs> in my life. So that's a negative 10 out of 10. Uh, a couple related ones. I'll just read through them here. Alex Seabass said, we can't fix our secondary at this point, but we can bring pressure to help. That will be key. Uh, Johnny Max Spartan said, CJ, Ferde- CJ Verdell laid out the template for how to attack their defense. I think there's a lot to learn from Morgan's offense. Defense has to get pressure. Can't sit back. Uh, Matt Boone, Boone for three said, Walker, Thorn hitting timely, pr- timely throws, pressure and trickery. A lot of those kind of related here. Uh, here's another one I want your take on from Dave Osborne on Twitter. He says, fewer three and outs. Make first downs even on short yards to gain at all costs. Run Walker, of course, but short yard, short passes to keep the offense on the field and Ohio State's defense out there. On defense, they will need to play some man or Buckeyes will tear apart our zone defense. So I want to focus on that offensive take there, Scott. Uh, long sustained drives, lots of first downs uh, to keep the offense on the field. Yeah, I mean, time of possessions, I think the number two priority for this offense behind scoring touchdowns. I don't want long sustained drives that end in field goals or end in no points. You don't want that 10 play turnover on downs at the you know Ohio State's 40. Um, so in that respect, if it means we're getting a touchdown at the end of the drive, certainly I'd take longer drives over shorter ones. Uh, but first and foremost, we got to score points. And if that means, you know, scoring on the third play of a drive on a flea flicker and turning it into a shootout, I mean, so be it. Um, but yeah, I mean, points are paramount. Time of possession is is a nine out of 10 behind point touchdowns being a 10 out of 10 in priority. And in uh, the the perfect sense of of why analyzing football is so much fun, you have two people who are both analyzing the same game, who are fans of the same team. Dave with that take followed by Kyle Megan on Twitter, who says big yardage plays. We're probably not marching on them. So while Dave is calling for these long sustained drives, Kyle's saying, light them up, go with the shock plays, go with the explosiveness, which is a lot of what we've done all season long. Um, You know, just to kind of bring something in here last week against Maryland, it was kind of the first time we had one of these drives that we were talking about there. Um, and we had a couple of them actually back to back in the second quarter, there was a 14 play 59 yard, seven minute touchdown drive followed immediately by a 12 play 68 yard, five and a half minute drive. If you remember, Maryland barely had the ball in that second quarter of that game. So if you're doing those kind of things and keeping Ohio state's defense or defense on the field, offense off the field, more importantly, um, that could be really interesting, but to Kyle's point, you know, if, if you don't want to have these long sustained drives, just hit them with the deep ball. And, and maybe that's another way to approach it. I don't know. We'll, we'll get into that. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, get points when you can in this game, but a shootout certainly favors Ohio state because they're going to be more consistent in hitting explosive plays than we are. Um, so it's, it's a balancing act, right? I mean, if you can score, Uh, a touchdown on an explosive play every time you have the ball it won't matter I just don't see that being a reality and I think we're better suited to keep the score lower Um, it's not going to be a defensive battle but keep it lower and try to stay on the field I think if we can have sustained scoring drives that's big if but if we can do that it gives us a better chance than trying to score quickly 
Yeah, and a couple here that I, I don't want to touch on too much now because I know they will be talking points later, but I want to give a shout out to MJF who said trading field goals for touchdowns will be key. Uh, OSU will move the ball, but hold them to under 35 and we can get the win. Uh, my former roommate, good friend, Eric West said, not giving up the big play and red zone defense drives need to end in field goals for OSU. MSU will need to rush efficiently and control the clock. Little to no room for error. Uh, those are points I know that we will talk about later on. So I'll kind of save that. Uh, Dave O'Connell said rain. Uh, we had, let's see any other important things here. Joel Riddle said special teams need to be special. Uh, that's a big key to this one. Again, something we'll kind of talk about later. The kicking situation terrifies me, but um, if Bryce Berenger can flip field position, I don't know, maybe that can help us. And Buffalo Spartan, last thing here, minimum plus five turnover margin, minimum plus five. That that would be a hell of a day on the turnovers, but um, how important would that be? Well, let me ask you a question. If we had a plus five turnover margin, Kevin, do you think there's a 100% chance we win? Oh, God. Is it bad if I say no? <laughs> Well, that's that make me a tough coward? question. <laughs> um, in I would say ninety nine percent. I don't want to say a hundred percent because it's Ohio State still. But plus five on the turnover margin, man, that makes it really, really hard to lose a football game. That's five offensive drives for Ohio State that end in no points. Right. Um, and probably so, end up in good field position just by the nature of turning the ball over. You're probably getting the ball at around half field a few more times. Like it would be very, very hard to lose a game with plus five turnover. I would love to see the stats on that, but yeah, that was Buffalo Spartan who brought that one up. Good question. Um, so, okay, let's, let's rip the bandaid off. Um, so if, if you are coming here looking for, why Michigan state's going to win this game. Uh, go ahead and skip this part. And if you're a masochist, I, I don't know, turn the volume up, I guess. Um, I have some stuff here that I want to bring up. Scott, I'm sure you have some stuff you want to bring up. Uh, there's a few things here. So, so Ryan day comes into this game to kind of set up the Ohio state side of this matchup. Ryan day comes into this game. He is 32 and three as Ohio state's head coach undefeated in big 10 play. His only losses have been to Alabama and Clemson in college football playoff national championship games. And of course, Oregon earlier this year, he is undefeated in big 10 play. If we include big 10 championship games, he is 24 and Oh Scott, how many of those games of those 24 football games in the big 10 conference, do you think that Ryan day has played that were within one score of the, in, at the end. So final score within a touchdown. I don't think there's been any this year. Maybe Minnesota. No, that was 14. Um, one. It is one. 24-0, one game decided by one score. Uh, there were only eight games that were decided by two scores. So two thirds of his games have been more than two score games at, at the end of it. 24. No, again, an average margin of victory in those 24 games of 29 points. It has been ridiculous. He picked up the, uh, the, what, what do they call those with the, the relay race, the, the 
baton. Uh, yep. Yeah. I picked up the baton from Urban Meyer and has just run with it. This this team has been on their death march. As far as this season, um, they're led by a, a really strong offense. I, I pulled some stats that they are in the top three in the country in points per game, yards per game, points per play, yards per play, yards per rush, yards per pass, and third down conversion percentage. Their offense has been just ridiculous in terms of like total team talent. If you're interested in that kind of stuff on 24 seven, they do the team talent composite. Ohio state is number three behind only Alabama and Georgia. Michigan state falls at 37 on the list. The difference in their measurement between Ohio state at three and Oklahoma at six is the same difference as Michigan state at 37 and Florida state at 20. So it's not only that they're number three, they're number three, and there's a big gap between them and, and really anybody else. Um, on top of all of that, I, I think one of the keys to this one, and, and one of the reasons really Michigan State fans, uh, I think myself included, are so terrified of this matchup, is they have the best wide receiver core in the country. And frankly, it's not close. So Jamison Williams, the number one receiver at Alabama right now, leading the Alabama Crimson Tide in yards. He transferred this offseason from Ohio State to Alabama because he wasn't going to play at Ohio State. He wasn't going to get playing time. So he said, you know what? I got to go somewhere that I can just get some reps. I'm going to go to Alabama and be their number one wide receiver. They're led this year by Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Combined, they have 20 games of at least a hundred yards, uh, between them. So, you know, a hundred yard solo performance, uh, each of them has at least four of those of such games. Olave has 10 Garrett Wilson has uh, eight Smith and Jigba has four, uh, Smith and Jigba had a 200 yard game a couple weeks ago. It's, it's just a ridiculous amount of talent up and down the roster, especially when you're looking at the offense, you kind of mentioned it's, it's the best offense in the country. And I don't even really know how you could argue uh, any other way. Um, defensively, there are some issues there that we'll get to in, in the optimistic side of this, but you know, when you look at the numbers, it's still pretty darn good. It's, it's certainly not an anemic defense by any stretch of the imagination. So um that's that's what I wanted to to get to. Those are the things I wanted to bring up as far as ripping the Band-Aid off. Scott, do you have anything to add on the dominance of Ohio State to to put the fear of God into us a little bit before we start getting optimistic here? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you look at the, the schedule. First of all, and we'll get into this a little bit, their schedule is not the strongest schedule in the country yet. Their, their toughest two games are their last two games. Um, you could throw Oregon in the mix at the beginning of the year as well but um they have been held under 40 points uh four times three times three times this season Oregon at the beginning of the year in week two and then uh Penn State and Nebraska back to back uh the two games before Purdue last week and they have allowed 30 points against them three times the first two weeks of the year, Minnesota and Oregon. And then last week against Purdue, which didn't really feel like they gave up 30 points because they won 59 to 31. Um, like you said at the beginning, you know, with all those Ryan day, big 10 games, it's not, it's hard to even sniff 
a fourth quarter competitive game against this team. It's not that it's hard to win. It's hard to even stay in the game for a half against them. Um, I mean, they put their foot down and they keep putting their foot down against Purdue last week. Their first half drives went as such five play touchdown, six play touchdown, one play touchdown, 11 plays touchdown, two play touchdown, four plays touchdown. And then at the very end of the half, 10 plays field goal. Hey, so how about by Purdue? the time we made it to halftime, Purdue, that same team that lit us up the week before, was down at halftime 45 to 17. So they're not afraid to put their foot down. They're not uh, get a lead and run the ball and, and have 12 play drives. They're get a lead and keep scoring as fast as you possibly can and just bring the mercy of God down on the on the opponent and yeah I mean Ryan Day takes everything you're giving him and and then some so it's I mean it's a tall task I think certainly that our offense against their defense is is the matchup that's going to give us a fleeting chance in this game but on the other side of the ball I mean priority number one is how the hell do you stop this offense from finding the end zone over and over and over and (laughs) we'll get into a little bit about their red zone uh offense maybe an area that if any area on their offense has struggled a little bit the problem is you have to get them I guess into the red zone I mean I mentioned (laughs) these these scoring drives five plays one play two plays four plays they don't bother waiting until the red zone to score so you have to keep them from those explosive plays and and the scary thing is these are all statistics that we're reeling off but when you watch these games if you sit down and watch these highlights it's just effortless. I mean, it yeah. looks like their receivers are jogging away from big 10 corners into five to 10 yards of separation with, with regularity. I mean, this you happens. Know, the worst part is I was watching the, I, I watched the entirety of two games uh, for Ohio state. And then I, I watched some long clip highlights of, of some other ones. I wanted to watch all of the Purdue game to see them just cruise control dominate. And I wanted to see them against Oregon to see like, okay, how did they lose? But there, there were plays, especially in that Purdue game where they're running a read option, uh, like an RPO concept where, you know, you can hand it or you can throw it depending on, you know, the, your reads. And it was like, okay, if he hands the ball off here, there's a wide open hole and he's going for 12, 15 yards before contact or before he even has to approach a defender. Uh, but he didn't even hand the ball off because the, the receiver was wide open for uh, uh, catching the ball at the first down marker and then having room in front of him to run. It's like they're running RPOs where both options are good and then they just have to choose which one is is easier or which one is better. It's just... It looks like you said so incredibly easy. And as a Michigan State fans, I mean, this year's offense has been great at, at for most of the season. At times, it's been bad, but it's something that we we just have never really seen this from our teams, even as Lions fans and stuff as well. Like, it just looks so damn easy for them to walk up and down the field whenever they want on command. Whether it's the play calling that gets guys open, whether it's the guys just you know, they, they have that extra gear Smith and Jigba has that where like, you know, it looks like he's just jogging and he's pulling away from DBs. Garrett Wilson has that same deal. Um, Chris Olave, when he's jumping up in the air, it's just so smooth and effortless. It's just, 
it's not fair sometimes when you're watching it. It really isn't. It stinks that they're in our conference because it's fun to watch. I mean, just as a football fan, it's so impressive. It's so smooth. Like you said, just effortless talent. And it's really hard to understand how it can look like that. That's what I, the thought I'm left with when I watch it is just how, how, like, why, why can't we do that? If it looks that easy for them, why can't it look that easy for us or the average team? And I mean, I think it's just talent, right? It's just the difference in just having the best athletes in the country. Um, and, and everything else kind of falls into place. Don't get me wrong. It's a well-coached team. Ryan Day is one of the best offensive minds in the game. Um, but at the same time, you know, a lot's been made of their recruiting and their run that they're on right now and, and talent and athletic ability makes, makes a difference. And that's, that's what it looks like when you have the best athletes on the field by a wide margin. So yeah, we've got, (laughs) we've got our work cut out for us. Right. And, and specifically talking, right. Like keeping on this kind of pessimistic train, like keeping on that, the, the matchups, I mean, when you look at that passing attack and those wide receivers and this quarterback, who is he Justin Fields? No. Uh, but he's, he's kind of gotten better and better as the season went on from what I saw early in the year. He's, he was missing quite a few throws and just kind of not looking great. He's, he's looked better and better. I still don't think he's on that level of, of Justin Fields and what they've had the last couple of years, but um, he has gotten better, but you look at them, the matchup of that versus these DBs, like we were laughing earlier before we started recording, like generally you go into a matchup on defense and you say, okay, we're going to make them one dimensional. We're going to either take away the pass or take away the run and, and, you know, hope that they don't beat us with the other thing. I think it's possible for us to take away the run though. Like I said, they're top three in the country in, in yards per carry. Uh, but I, I think we could do that. I don't think that there's a reality where we even slow down the pass, let alone stop it. Like we could commit every resource, every asset, every body on the field to stopping the pass. And I don't think it would really matter. They would still go for 350, 400 yards and a few touchdowns. Like I just, I can't imagine a scenario where they throw for less than 400 yards. I just, I really can't wrap my head around that being a possibility. So I mean, we'll talk about how we can do that, whether it's takeaways or sacks or whatever, but like I saw them go, you know, they get a penalty. It's first and 20 against Purdue. They convert the first down on the first play. Like it's, it's not even like a, all right, let's try to get half of that back, get back to the original line of scrimmage and then play from there. It's like, ah, okay. First and 20, that doesn't matter. We'll gain 25. Like it, it's just their passing attack is so deadly and their receivers are just terrifying we saw what david bell did to us um i think there's a there's a decent chance that all three of these guys are individually as good if not better than david bell so i i i don't imagine a scenario where our dbs fully healthy can stay with these guys we're going into this game with a banged up defensive backfield especially at the corner position where depth has been really tested i mean we're going to have to play our second and third corner against first round draft pick wide receivers. So I, that's a tough matchup for us. I, no matter how you shake it, no matter how much I, I was going back and forth in my head all week thinking like, all right, 
there's a shot, you know, if we, if we do a, B and C, we can keep ourselves alive in this game. But every time there was the other thought in my head, that was just like, how are you going to prevent them from just walking down the field through the passing game, especially with, with good weather. Like it's, it looks like it's going to be on Saturday. It's, it's a, it's a nightmare matchup. It, it really is. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what we're going to keep coming back to is their, their pass attack against our secondary. And this is not the time of year where you find fixes, right? I mean, we have a problem that's manifested and gotten worse as the season's gone along and injuries have, have made it an even more dire situation. And um, we're 10 weeks into the year and you don't find massive solutions. You just have to try to scheme it, you know, to, to limit the damage, but how do you do that? Especially with when your whole secondary is getting torched. I mean, it's not, it's one thing to scheme, you know, against a bad pass attack with a good run deep with a good run offense and you commit numbers to stopping the run. That's a little easier, but when you have a banged up secondary and you're trying to, to limit the damage in the passing game, it's, it's a little bit harder to scheme. And I think this is why it's so important for the offense to stay on the field. But at the end of the day, Ohio State is likely going to have just about the same number of possessions. I mean, turnovers will play into it, but realistically, it's not going to be a huge discrepancy And how many of those possessions can you keep from being touchdowns. That's the story here. A field goal at all is a huge win for our defense going up against this offense. If you can prevent points at all, force punts or turnovers, I mean, it's it's a huge plus. Um, and that's that's going to be the story of the game for me is how many times can our defense get off the field without giving up seven points? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of an anecdotal thing. But if if you take three drives and rather than giving up a touchdown, you give up a field goal, that's a 12 point swing. And, you know, we were kind of talking about this, like that's the difference between 49 and 37. Right. If if Ohio State hits 49, turn the lights out. It's over. We're we're not scoring 49 points. I, I like our offense this year, but we're not scoring 49. We could score 37. So like like you said, it's it sounds a lot easier than it is in reality. But three drives. You turn three drives from touchdowns into field goals. And if your offense is playing lights out. Uh, then you give yourself a chance. Uh, how do we turn those into field goals? That, again, that's that's another story. That's tough. But I mean, coverage wise, like it's it's really hard because if we sit back in our base defense as we have a lot of this year, they're they're going to take whatever they want. I, I mean, it's Western Kentucky did whatever they wanted uh, at times. Purdue did whatever they wanted. Ohio State is is just going to call their number as far as how many points they want to score. So you look at that and say, all right, well, we got to mix it up. I mean, the way I see it, everything that you have ever tried to run in practice over the last, what, fall camp starts in August, right? Over the last three months, throw everything at them. Everything you've ever practiced, every look, every zone coverage, every man coverage, every zone blitz, every man blitz, everything you have you throw it out there and you just hope for the best. Even if this is something that you only practiced once, you throw it out and you hope for the best. You have to keep them guessing. You have to keep CJ Stroud for as talented as he is and for as talented as this offense is. He's a freshman quarterback. He's a redshirt freshman, but he's a freshman quarterback who only has nine, 10 games of ex- 
10 games of experience under his belt. So you throw everything at him. Every you, you mix up your coverages, every play you do something different, every play you bring different blitzes, every play. And you hope for the best. You hope that he gets frustrated. You hope he forces something. You hope you can get a couple turnovers. You hope you can get a couple sacks. And the reality is that while doing that, you're going to give up a few big plays because somebody's going to miss their assignment. Somebody's going to forget what the coverage is, whatever the case may be. There's going to be blown coverages. There's going to be missed assignments and you're going to get beat deep. But the reality on the other side of that is that's going to happen anyway. So you might as well go for it. And that's kind of the thing is, is this is a big, you got to risk it for the biscuit, right? You know, Mel Tucker said in this press conference, scared money, don't make money. And that's got to be true on defense, because if you're just sitting back in your normal defense, they're going to call their number. If they want 50, they'll get 50. If they want 60, they'll get 60. And if you try to just bring everything, mix it up, bring pressure, maybe you can keep yourself alive. Maybe you can get a couple of those big plays because uh, even a sack almost doesn't matter because the sack puts them into second and 15. That's no problem for them. Second and 15 is, is they're not even sweating yet. Once it gets to third and 15, maybe they'll worry a little bit, but they're still converting that at like a, at a 40% clip. I mean, even sacks to a certain extent are, are, are not huge wins. Turnovers are wins. You got to do everything you can to try to force a turnover, force a bad throw, whatever the case may be. And, and that's it for me on defense. I mean, that's what it's going to come down to. They're going to, they're going to have yards. They're going to have points. Can you get a couple turnovers? Can you find a way to, to convert two, ideally three from touchdowns to field goals? and then rely on your offense to keep yourself in it. That that's, that's really what it comes down to. And it's a long shot, but it's our only shot. Yeah. I mean, you look at us as, you know, kind of the challenger in a boxing title fight and Ohio state's the reigning champion, right? They're the, they're the big dog on the block. They know how to win fights and, uh, and we're trying to dethrone them. And would you rather go out there, you know, pick your spots, play a reserved or you know, a reserve boxing match where you're just jabbing all day and and hope, you know, the card is in your favor after, you know, 15 rounds, or do you go out there and you try, you go for the knockout punch too, you know, maybe you get unlucky and he lands one early and and knocks you out, but at least you went out swinging. I think that's what Mel Tucker and Jay Johnson and uh, Scotty Hazleton are going to try to do. They're going to go for, you know, the knockouts early in this game. Obviously you can't knock a football team out. We're going to play 60 minutes, but you know, you put them behind by a score early maybe some things fall your way and you get a couple score lead early. I mean, this is total dreamland. I understand that. But when you're talking about how you win this game, you get a couple scores early and make it, make them nervous, quiet down the shoe. um, And then, you know, we're going to need the offense to, uh, to stay on the field, but I think you got to go for the knockout And, and Mel Tucker, you know, he was asked in his press conference this week, if Ohio state's the measuring stick that he measures his, his team against and his program against. And he says, the measuring stick is the standard I have for this team. We're not comparing ourselves to anyone else. I think that's a great mentality, right? You can't go out there and say, you know, we want to be Ohio state. We want to beat them at their own game. You got to play your game. You got to show something that, that they're not used to that makes you a better team. And, uh, and I think Mel Tucker and his coordinators, I'm sure they've saved some things for this game. They understand they're going to need new looks on both sides of the ball. 
And, uh, and we saw it in 2015, a good game plan and a few bounces your way can keep you in a game like this. Uh, we also saw in 2017, kind of a similar story to this up and coming Michigan state, I think at the time had one loss, um, goes up against undefeated Ohio state. And I think we were down something like 45 to three at halftime. So, um, it can go either way, but I think you got to come out swinging, um, on both sides of the ball. Yeah. So we'll bring that to the offense because I think that's where, if you're looking for optimism, uh, the offense is where we could win this game. Again, if you get a couple extra possessions, whatever the case may be. And this has been something that's kind of controversial. I've noticed over, over Twitter. There's when you're looking at, I think everybody basically agrees that the offensive side of the ball is where we have a shot. But I think the way that that happens has been a little bit, it's it's I've seen both sides and I, I kind of want your take because I'm on the side of Kenneth Walker has to have a monster game. We need to run the damn ball. And, and I, that's not even saying it. I, I think when people hear that they hear the old school, run the ball, run the clock, play defense. I'm not even saying it like that. Our, our, our best offensive performance of the year arguably was against Michigan where we scored 37 points and that was off the 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 heels of or on the back of Kenneth Walker running the ball effectively. Like it it doesn't have to be a slow three yards in a cloud of dust running game. But I, I think what it comes down to for me, and this is where I, I want your take on this as well, if you're on the same side or if you're on the other side, where I, I want a sustained drives. I don't turn the ball over. And, and that's not even saying play slow or, or play to set up your defense or anything. I, I, we need touchdowns and we need as many of them as we can get. I just think the best way to go about that is, is by running the ball, because I think the Ohio state run defense, if you look at the numbers there, the numbers are really good, but the reality is since Oregon and Oregon ran all over them, Oregon had 270, I think rushing yards I had in front of me somewhere, but since then, they have played Tulsa, who is 44th in the country in rushing yards per game. And then Akron at 110, Rutgers 77, Maryland 119, Indiana 107, Penn State 114, Nebraska 51, Purdue 125. They haven't played anybody who even tries to run the football, let alone does it successfully. So it's been a long time since they've played a team that's willing to line it up and smash it down your throat. And Michigan State has shown the ability to do that over five yards a carry, over almost 200 yards a game. And so I think if you if you line up and you're able to get seven, eight, nine yards a carry early and, and just kind of punch them in the face, that could be a, a reality where you you keep these drives going. That sets up play action and you can get a couple of those shock plays. I think that is important. I'm I'm not saying that you know, oh, we don't need any of these deep balls or anything like that. But when you're running the ball really effectively, their defensive backs have have been a little bit susceptible and their linebackers are really not disciplined on their keys. You know, we talk, we kind of talked about this with Quiveris Crouch. Like these guys are following eye candy left and right. And it's been a thing all season for them. Uh, it's something that I've picked up on. So play action, especially when the run game's working, you can eat these linebackers alive and I'm being serious about that. So I think starting and establishing the run is as cliche as that is 
it, you got to come out early and show them that we're willing to win this game on the ground. And then that way, when you do hit the play action, when you do decide to drop back and pass, they have that in the back of your mind and, and you're just playing mind games with the safeties and the linebackers at that point. So I, are you kind of on that side with me? Or I know there's a lot of people out there who are saying, you know, Peyton Thorne has to have the game of his life. We need to throw for 300 yards put up a bunch of points, you know, and do it in that way. And because their defensive backs to that point are a little bit susceptible. Teams have been able to throw the ball on them and, and maybe that is the the better route to go here. It's I've seen arguments on both sides. So I want to know where you're at there. I mean, the reality is multiple guys have to have the best games of their career for us to win this game. And I don't mean that in hyperbole. I mean, Literally, if Kenneth Walker has the same performance he had against Michigan, I don't think we win this game. I mean, that we beat Michigan by four points, and Michigan's offense is nothing compared to Ohio State's offense. So you're going to need Kenneth Walker to put up a monster performance, and you're going to need Peyton Thorne to be really efficient and have a great game. You're going to need guys on the defense to be playing certainly their best game of the year if we're going to stay in this and, and create some chaos. I mean, you look at just last week against Purdue, right? Team that beat us, they looked pretty strong. I didn't really think they were going to beat Ohio State, but I was curious if they could stay in it. Their quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, just tore us up for 500 yards. He went 40 of 52 for 390 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Sounds like a great game. Sounds like a game that should win. They lost by 28. They ran the ball 19 times for 91 yards. They didn't even challenge that side of Ohio State's defense. Obviously, Ohio State's offense against Purdue's defense is a whole other half of that game, but when you throw the ball, you can have a great game throwing the ball against Ohio State, and it won't matter if you're not running it well and if your defense can't stack up. So, um, yeah, I think Kenneth Walker has to have a big game for multiple reasons. A, because he's our best player. B, because it runs the clock and keeps us on the field. C, because Ohio State hasn't faced a good running offense in the better part of two months, if not more. Um, but it's going to take more than that. It's going to take – Peyton Thorne being efficient. I don't know if he has to have a monster game by the numbers, but he can't be turn, turning the ball over and he has to hit the opportunities he gets in play action when, you know, maybe we do find a chink in Ohio State's armor. Um, and I, like you said earlier, I think we can get into the 30s if, uh, if those things happen. It's going to be really hard to hit 40 points unless something unexpected, like a, you know, a, pick six or a couple turnovers that set us up in real great field position. But I think we can get into the thirties, just like we did against Michigan against this Ohio state defense. We're also going to probably have a lot of possessions because it's sometimes not going to take Ohio state very long to get on the board. So yeah, I think from an offensive perspective, we could get close to 40 points around 40 points. The, The question is, you know, do we have a chance to keep Ohio state in the same area to give us an opportunity to, uh, to be in this game late in the fourth quarter. And are we going off the assumption? Cause I kind of am that the, the guys that we've had out the last couple of weeks are going to be out. I mean, it, obviously Mel Tucker isn't saying anything and, and we're no doctors. So it's, it's really hard to, to diagnose any of this, but I mean, Jalen Naylor, Jarrett Horst, Quiveris Crouch, Chuck Brantley, uh, I, I might be forgetting somebody, but those are some key injuries. I, I think like if there's one guy that I would love to have back, man, Jalen Naylor's ability to just keep the defense thinking about him, keep, keep the safety over the top because Jaden Reed can be a big play threat, 
but having one big play wide receiver and having two big play wide receivers, that's a huge difference, man, in terms of, you know, how, how defenses have to cover those guys. So I, I know it's a hand injury. Like if he drops a couple passes, like it's kind of like the dumb, the dumb brain part of me is just like, well, he can drop a couple passes. That's fine, but he can still run, right? Like just, just have him run down the field and, and just hope he can catch it one-handed or, or just catch it with his chest or something. I don't know, man, because having his speed threat would be massive for this game. Uh, having Jarrett horseback would, would be really nice, but man, having Jalen Naylor would be a, a huge surprise and, and a huge advantage for us as we, you know, if we, if we go out there Saturday, it's like 1130 and we see the, the beat rep, the beat writer reports, right. We, we see the Chris Solari tweet that Jalen Naylor is warming up in pads. Like I would, that's the point where I would just, the, the thoughts would start creeping in. Right. We're like, Oh okay. yeah. I mean, then maybe we can, do Mel this Tucker's- maybe we can do this. Like, Whoa, we got a shot. Yeah, Mel Tucker's press conference this week, he was asked about injuries. And of course, he didn't, he's, he's never going to give specifics about players, but he did say he went to his players and he said, you know, we know a lot of you guys are banged up. I'm paraphrasing here, but uh, we know a lot of you guys are banged up, but give us what you can. If you can be out there, give us what you can. And if you can't, it's next man up. I think a lot of these guys, Chuck Brantley was already playing injured earlier in the year. Jalen Naylor, like you said, it's a hand injury. Maybe you can have one of those like, finger casts right where it goes over your palm but your fingers are available um i mean hell honestly like you said if he's in a club you put him in the slot and you make him run off safeties and maybe you can land you know a bomb that just teardrops into the basket and he can pull it in i'm not opposed to that i mean i think it gives us a better chance than and no offense to montori foster but doing the same thing with with foster or with mosley um if nothing else he's a flash you know he's he's fast and he's going to it's going to be running across the faces of defenders. I think if there's a possibility he's out there, I think you see him at least padded up. Um, yeah, I mean, same thing, Quaveris Crouch. We don't really know what his injury is, but if he can be out there, we were talking about this before we started with his speed. I mean, the, the alternatives of Noah Harvey and Ben Van Summeren, especially in pass coverage compared to a guy like Quaveris Crouch, who has the athleticism to make up for some mistakes, that's a pretty drastic difference in a right. game like this. Um, so you're going to see, I think definitely some banged up guys that at least suit up and try to get through warmups and see how they feel. I mean, that extends all the way to special teams and Matt Coughlin. Um, it's funny. I was thinking, I was thinking of the 2015 game and I saw obviously the Michael Geiger highlight. And I, I just realized like, what if like, put yourself in that situation this Saturday where we have a chance to win with a field goal oh, as time expires Right. And we haven't really tested our kicking game all game. I think that was Geiger's only field goal (laughs) in that game. And you roll out either a semi injured Matt Coughlin or a left footed freshman who's been missing extra points in the horseshoe. (laughs) Yeah. In the horseshoe. I mean, it's a horror show. Just, just going through that in my head. That's if, if you want like 85 heart attacks, you know, somewhere around, uh, no, that would be just total anxiety attack. Even if it, the problem with that is even if it's like a total chip shot, I mean, you're kicking a 35 yarder from dead on, like I would still be terrified. And that's, that's saying something it's yeah. Special teams are going to be huge in that aspect. Hopefully somebody, I, I forget who this was now. 
Um, but somebody, when I, I tweeted about the, the Coughlin injury and stuff, it, somebody was basically like, well, maybe this tends to lean us towards, I think you brought this up on the last podcast too. Like anytime it's close where we might go for it on fourth down. And, and maybe that means a couple touchdowns instead of field goals. Like it, it, you could twist this positive if you really stretch it out a little bit, but the, the last thing I want to mention too, uh, because I, I brought it up earlier in the week and Danico Salen was always, you know, every time he played Ohio state, he was just a man possessed and, you know, he's, he was an Ohio kid and, and just, he, he got the, the quote unquote disrespected, didn't get the offer from Ohio state. Um, there's, there's a handful of impact players in this game. There, there are a couple more that are from the state of Ohio, but Xavier Henderson, Angelo Gross, Jeff Piotrowski, uh, Jacob Slade, JD Duplain, Luke Campbell, Nick Samek, Matt Carrick, AJR Curry, Montori Foster, Ohio guys, without an Ohio state offer feeling disrespected, feeling that chip on their shoulder. That's something that those Mark D'Antonio teams played up as much as possible. I remember watching the like big 10 all access or Spartan all access about that 2013 big 10 championship game. And there was a, a, a position right before the game kicked off. They're on the sideline and Danico Salen basically rounding up all the Ohio guys and, and giving a speech that I won't even try to replicate what was basically just saying like, Hey, those MFers, like they didn't want you, you know, go, go out there and prove, prove they were wrong. Right. And can we summon that kind of energy? Do these type of, do these guys on this roster have that type of like psychopath mentality that Danico's did? I don't know. Uh, but there, there's a lot of key pieces, especially on the defensive, on the defensive side of the ball and in the trenches. So a lot of physical positions, uh, you know, maybe we can see that come to play a couple extra, a little harder hits, a little more physical on the blocks, finishing a block a little bit more than you normally would. Um, can that be a difference in this game, that chip on the shoulder mentality that, that Mark D'Antonio really brought and, and that a lot of those leaders on those mid-teams Michigan State teams really, really brought that kind of energy. So that, that's been a key for us before against Ohio State. Um, those guys that I named, I'm sure they're feeling it all week. I'm sure they'll be feeling it on Saturday. How does that translate? We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, we're going to have to have multiple guys having the best game of their year, if not the best game of their career, to really feel like we have a chance in this one. And um, I don't want to be too negative. I think that's a positive, right? I think that that's an opportunity for Mel Tucker to go in there and say, look, guys, this is the stage you guys come to Michigan State to play on. This is this is the moment that you, you know, you look at Kenneth Walker's Heisman potential. This is the moment. If he wants to w achieve that goal, that lifelong goal of winning the Heisman, this is the stage you have to perform on to do that. Any Heisman winner, there are games like this when you have to go in and you have to prove to everybody in the country that's watching that you deserve to be a Heisman because you individually are better than the team across from you. And that extends far beyond Kenneth Walker. That goes to Peyton Thorne. That goes to the linemen. You mentioned a lot of these. We have a lot of senior offensive linemen who have been through a lot of tough years. Um, some of them even were on the 2015 team that that beat Ohio State. I, I was looking back at, I think there's something like between like six and nine uh, players remaining from that 2015 game. And I think about half of them were offensive linemen, guys like AJR Curie, Matt Carrick, Luke Campbell, who, who were around back then. And then they went through 
the depths of this program, you know, through 2016, 2018, 19, 20, the COVID year, everything. And they're finally back on this stage with their opportunity to put, you know, a staple on their legacy as, as Spartans. And, and we're going to see guys, I mean, the energy will be there when they come out of the tunnel. Um, and then it's all a matter of harnessing that on the field and, and getting the ball to bounce your way a couple times, making a couple highlights and seeing where the chips fall. Yeah. So I, I think, I think that about does it here. I think we got to everything we wanted to, uh, appreciate everybody for the responses and, and stuff all week. We'll continue to put stuff out on Twitter. So follow at standing room MSU and, uh, we'll have some stuff on there. Follow Scott at Spartan Martin 18 as well. And, uh, yeah, we'll have the picks on Friday. So it's a 19 point spread. I was looking this morning, uh, unless that has changed since we started recording and, uh, it's, it's a big number. Uh, we'll see where we come out on this. Uh, we are back tied up. I'm pretty sure in a picks contest, it's been a lot of fun all year long and, and we've, we're coming down the home stretch here, just a couple weeks to go. Um, so, so make sure you're listening on Friday. We'll get you all of that. We got a pretty decent national slate, obviously highlighted by our game, the game day game again this week. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think we're good to get out of here. So, um, Scott, what you, you just texted in here, the over under, what is the over under right now? 67 and a half still. I think that's where I got it earlier this week. Yeah. 67 is what their pick center says. I haven't looked at DraftKings. We'll go with 67 and a half. So we have to pick either over or under. Yeah. I already took the over. I, I mean, I just, I can't see us keeping Ohio state under 35, 38 points. And, and I think there's a shot that we could score with them. And there's also a shot that they scored 50. So I, I already took the over in this one. I feel pretty good about it. Yeah. If this game goes under, we are not in good shape. Um, <laughs> the only way it goes under is like a 45 to 10 game, something like that, where yeah. our offense is just anemic and gets totally shut down. If our offense goes out there and scores, I think four touchdowns, you know, we get to 28. I think we're going to hit the over that that would mean 35 for Ohio. No, 30 something like that. Uh, 39 for Ohio state. I think they're going to get pretty close to that. So um, I like the over and uh, hopefully that means we are in it near the end of this game. We mentioned, I think we've got to get at least into the mid thirties to have a chance here. And we got to keep Ohio state under 50 to have a chance, but I think it's going to be a fun game to watch for at least one, if not both fan bases. (laughs) I hope so, man. Uh, let's, let's wrap that there though. I, it's a good preview. I think hopefully everybody enjoys it. If you do share it with a friend, we would really appreciate that. So until Friday, we will see you then and hope everybody has a great, uh, middle of the week hump day here and until Friday, go green, go white, take care folks.